0: of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And Billy is not going to be here. In fact, he's very sick. Not COVID, but he's very sick, and he's going to miss this episode, and maybe the rest of the month we will find out. Uh, You'll find out as soon as we do, to be honest, because we don't know yet. But uh, as a result, tonight's episode was supposed to be a patron-requested episode uh, on a specific game. Uh, We are going to hold off on doing that because uh, it's nice to have all three of us here for patron requests. And again, if you want us to cover your game, the best way to do that is by joining our Patreon but instead Jeremy and I had to scramble and come up with something we could talk about that we know a good deal about so we're going to talk about the NES version of Contra and we'll get to that in a second but first I want to at least brush on the topic of did you watch the game awards uh, about maybe
1: like half of it I think
0: I don't ever watch the awards live like I I'll have it uh, you know Twitter and stuff up when it's going on to see if anyone's like, oh man they put out this really cool preview but otherwise I, I normally don't care. Uh, not just for games, but anything. I don't really watch award shows. I don't watch the Oscars or anything else. I I, I don't care, necessarily, uh, about who, you know, who a panel of people voted as their favorite, whatever. But this time, I was kind of paying attention because one of the games that got nominated for several categories, including Game of the Year, was Psychonauts 2, which, in my opinion, is my favorite Game of the Year. It's easily the one that was the biggest surprise, that it was as good as it was. And also, even after I finished it, it resonated with me. I started it up again almost immediately. I went back and found all the little widgets and stuff like... I loved that game, and so even though a game like like Metroid um, Dread, I knew was going to do well, and it actually didn't win Game of the Year, but it won some other awards, uh, I thought it was great, but Metroid kind of has against it that it's a Metroid title, so unless it is really, really good, it's awful, you know, as far as people are concerned for, for, uh, for reviewers and media and, and Twitter and such, so instead it was really good, and so it was reviewed as really good, but it was pretty much exactly what it needed to be, I thought Psychonauts 2 was... Like mind-blowingly good. So I was very disappointed that it didn't win. But that said, it was nominated and it was clearly separate from the original. Uh, was there any game you thought either wasn't nominated or kind of was robbed from the category it, it didn't win?
1: I'm in the same boat as you. I thought Psychonauts 2 is, is easily my game of the year. So when we do that at the end of, of December or whatever, you know my answer. I loved Psychonauts 2 and it was such a great game and it's one of the very few games that I've played in, in quite a while that, that I just really loved sitting down to and playing every time I played it. And uh, it, it got nothing. It got did it get anything that I, I as far as like you know, there's there's sometimes those side mentions of this game also won this and this or something uh, because they only show like three actual awards through the entire show. Uh, did you did did it win anything?
0: I do not believe so. I'm going to check real quick just to make sure that I'm not wrong on this because, again, I didn't watch the awards. I just looked at the kind of summaries afterwards. But, um, yeah, they didn't win anything. Didn't win a thing. Wow. And and it... And it, <laughs> it, it I mean, again, I, I can understand why certain games beat it for certain things. You know, was, was it the best action-adventure game? Like, when you actually look at the gameplay of Psychonauts 2, was it as tight as some of these other games that did win? Metroid Dread did win that. I'm not mad about that. I liked Metroid Dread. But, but man, as... like. The things that it didn't win that I thought it probably could. I mean, uh, art direction. The, the game is amazing looking the whole time. It has an amazing narrative. The winner of narrative was Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Again, uh. I, I haven't played it. That, that's not one I've played. I, I know the source material. I read comics. I get it. I get that those have good stories. But like that's not a narrative they had to create. They just probably took bits and pieces of things they like from other Guardians of the Galaxy stuff and put it out there. Uh, Psychonauts 2 is wholly original. And I know it sounds like. We're paid by Psychonauts 2, but I promise you we're not. <laughs> it's just one of the few games. <laughs> there's only a few games in a year that really hit me in a way where I'm like, that was that was an amazing experience from start to finish. I really really like that game. And for me, Psychonauts 2 is is clearly that game for this year, and I'm assuming you
1: too. It, it is, and it was. It's the, comparing the narrative of of that game to Guardians of the Galaxy, which I have been playing a good deal of. I, I'm about halfway through that game, and it is good. But, like, comparing that to like how good Psychonauts was, it's just not even on the same level. I, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is fine. It's fun, but, yeah, not even close, not even close. but and I think that goes along with what I was getting while I was watching the game awards is that modern gaming is going away from my tastes, if not if completely out of my tastes at this point. You know, there's some stuff that was announced that, I was like, wow, I can't believe they did that. Alan Wake 2 was announced. Yeah. Great trailer. Uh, you know, the uh, the Cuphead stuff was announced. That looked really cool. Yeah, finally. But finally I, a date
0: for that. That's exciting.
1: Yeah. It was, but by and large, it was just kind of meh, You know, they uh, there was that one really cool game, the uh, trailer for it anyway, uh, Nightingale. And I was like, wow, this looks amazing. And it's going through it and going through it. And I was like, this looks like the next game I could sink a lot of time into. And then the guy got on stage and was like, yeah, this is the next big survival game from from us. I was like, oh shit, I don't want to watch play that shit. <laughs> um it, it, everything is just I don't know. It's nothing I really I really want to play. Nothing really looks like I'm, you know, super into it. And it's such a change from how I was like five years ago where I could watch this or E3 just really get excited. And now it's maybe one, one or two things that that kind of hits me. I'm like, yeah, I could probably play that. So it just kind of sucks.
0: Yeah, at this point for me, it's got to be like a Souls game I'm in, like a new From Software game, or like, you know, I'm excited about Final Fantasy 16. I'm sure once it comes out, I'll be kind of like, okay, it's fun, but here's some things I don't like, like I do with every Final Fantasy game. But I'm still excited about that. But yeah, for the most part, I've been in that that situation for a long time where I almost don't pay attention to anything new that's coming out because I know I won't care. One, it's not out yet; it could be a long time. Things change drastically from when they're first announced, uh, so I, I like to wait and see what's out. And, and thankfully, there's plenty of other indie games. In fact, there was just a Nintendo indie. Direct today, that was, you know, it was fine. Nothing too, too exciting. New uh, uh, River City Girls 2, I guess, some, uh, some other cool things. But the good news is for you and I, and Billy, who's not here today, uh, if we don't care about new games, that's okay, because we really focus on games from 20 years ago or more, like the game we're going to talk about today, Contra for the NES from 1988. <laughs>
1: So, Jeremy, have you played Contra before? I, I, I was going to say, I know I
0: ask every every episode if you've played this before. I'm going to forgo that. I know I know we're both very familiar with Contra for the NES. Uh, in fact, you and I, when I went to Indianapolis a couple years ago for the Indy 500, uh, we went to a barcade and played the original Contra, uh, you know, co-op uh, in the arcade, which was fun. It had been a long time since I played that one. And now, of course, you can get Contra for the arcade and the NES and a bunch of the sequels for the the Contra what, anniversary collection that's available on every single current console for 20 bucks. So... Everyone can, talk, can play every version of Contra pretty easily, or at least all the, the major ones, uh, but we're really going to focus on the NES one because it really is, uh, while the arcade version of Contra is, is all fine and good, I think really the NES is the version that kind of everything sprung off of after that and really is the, kind of the, the, the best version of this game is the NES version of this game, in my opinion.
1: And and it's just endless nostalgia for me at this point. Uh, the, the first Contra was the first game that I bought with my own money, my own saved-up money on the NES. Some of my own saved-up money. My grandma, I think, actually gave me $30 that I had left to, to save up for it one Saturday. And I remember my dad taking me to Toys R Us, and I went straight over to the, the game aisle and straight to Contra. I don't remember why... I was so into Contra. I think I just saw it was a two-player simultaneous game, and that just blew my mind. I can't remember if I played it anywhere else, but it it really looked like my kind of game. And so I grabbed my little ticket and went up to the cash register, spent my sixty dollars, my sixty dollars of, of hard-earned money, and went over to the little—I don't know if you remember it—the the little video game booth that's just kind of up in front of the the cash registers of Toys R Us. And uh, they gave me my, my brand new game, and I went home and and played the hell out of that thing, and that was one of the um, one of the games that me and my dad actually played the most. Uh, if if there's anything I remember most as a kid, it's me and my dad playing Contra and trying to get through all these levels together. That was probably one of my favorite childhood memories. So this game goes a long way in in making re- me remember how much I enjoyed that time.
0: Yeah, I mean. I- I had this as well in Nintendo. Now, I never played the arcade when it was new. There weren't arcades really, really close to me. I had to go to like amusement parks or something to, to really get arcade time. So I, I don't think I'd ever seen the arcade version of Contra, but you know, everybody that I knew that had a Nintendo probably had Contra. And so eventually we got it, and we already were kind of familiar with it. I have two brothers. The fact that it's a two-player co-op game uh, you know, goes a long way for getting it played in the house where everyone's fighting over the console. Uh, but it's also unlike, you know, there, there's plenty of two-player co-op shooters right there's there's lots of them but this one has well first off this one has the Contra code right so if you're going to be someone who had Nintendo back in the day and you were you're trying to play through one of these games the easiest one for you would be this game if and only if you use the Contra code but everyone clearly did because everyone knows that code they know what is the Contra code it's not even the Konami code Contra's not the first game that used it but it's the one everyone remembers uh, because it gave you 30 lives instead of three And in a game where everything kills you in one shot, and you only have a set number of continues, that's a massive advantage. (laughs) When you have 30 lives, you can go through, you know, even if you've never played the game before, you'll get through several levels before you have to even worry about continuing. And once you know what you're doing, I mean, you you can get through the game without having to continue at all. Uh, If you die and just lose a life, you get to start right where you were, where if you continue, you go back to the beginning of the whole level, uh, which... If you're playing the game as it's intended, means you have three lives and three continues. So that's a, that's a big deal. You get to the boss, you die, you lose your last life. Great, you have to go through that whole gauntlet of a level again where with 30 lives, everyone, no matter how bad you are, can finish Contra. Between the three continues and the 30 lives, you're talking 120 lives minimum to get through Contra. And that's if you play by yourself. If you play co-op, both of you have 30 lives. And you can't hurt each other, which is wonderful in any kind of two-player game. When you have friendly fire, sometimes it's neat, but most of the time it's not. And thankfully in this game it's not there. Uh, In fact, the only thing you can do to damage a player in two-player, I guess there's two things. Uh, You can steal their lives. Once you're out of lives, you can push the button to take a live from your your partner, which if you're trying to play this with three lives, makes you a real dick. Uh, but the other thing is, if on a stage where you can move forward to a point where if someone jumps up, they have to, you know, they're not missing the, they're missing a platform because you push the screen too far. You can do that too. The waterfall level is the one in this where really, if you're playing two players and you just try to be Mr. Speedy guy, you're going to kill your partner because they're going to make it so they can't land on platforms anymore they thought were there uh, because it scrolls from bottom to top. Uh, we'll, we'll get into all the level specifics when we when we discuss levels, but it it definitely had. The, I mean, it's easily the game we probably played the most on, on Nintendo was this game because you could play it two players simultaneous. It only has eight levels, but the levels are, are long enough. You feel like you're getting somewhere, but it's not so long that you're going to spend the entire night. You can beat this game in 20 minutes, 30 minutes once you know what you're doing. Um, and, and the fact that it was, you know, especially once you learn that, learn the 30 live code and can play through it. It is a game that even on three lives, you can put a good effort into get five or six levels in and feel pretty good about yourself.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, at this point I can get up to usually the waterfall boss without losing a life. And if I'm really good, if I'm having a really good run, I can get all the way to the laser section or whatever it's called, uh, get to that boss uh, and, and not die. That, that guy's a fucker, though. He, he usually kills me no matter what. Um, but yeah, I, I, can, I can pretty much one-off that game and, and, and just play one life and get as far as I can and then turn it off. And, and I've had a great time. As a kid, though, as a stupid kid, though, I was not very good at Contra. It took me quite a while to get to the point where I could beat it. And I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, when I finally did beat it, it was just this random weekday after school. My dad had laid down and went to bed, and I got to Red Falcon when I got to the heart. I only had, like, one life left or something. And I was just going at it because you gotta really just blow that heart up. We'll talk about it here in a minute. But I was the sweatiest I've ever been in my life. And almost had a face hugger coming at me. Just he was on his way. The thing blew up, and that was it. I it was probably the most excited I've ever been in my entire life. Just ran around the house screaming, like somebody had shot me. Woke my dad up. He thought I was actually dying. And so he busts out of his bedroom, just like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And he's <laughs> coming at me. It's like, no, I beat Contra. And I think that's the most disappointing my dad's ever been <laughs> with me. Just like, God, I woke up for this. But yeah, it's it was not an easy game for me as a kid. And I don't think it was a very easy game for a lot of kids back then. And But when you did find that code, suddenly the game opens up. And I think that helps a lot with learning the game. And once you learn the game, like any shooter, this is just a run-and-gun shooter, it's pretty easy once you know the routes and what guns you need to have and, and you know, what you need to do when you get to it. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's easy once you know what you're, what you're doing, but I can safely say as a kid, I did not know what I was doing and I was not very good at video games when I was like six or seven years old.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I wasn't great. at it. I couldn't beat this with three lives, you know, the regular way as a kid. Um, I, I did later on and, and got quite good at it, but as as a kid, you know, if I could play with 30 lives and not continue, I considered that. Like, oh, that's the victories. I got through the game without continuing, uh, especially towards the end. If you make a mistake, much like even a... a a side-scrolling shooter in general, uh, you don't have the power-up level that you do in a game like Gradius, where you have, you know, six or seven different powers you have to build up, and now you're like this fortress, and then you die and you're back to nothing, uh, this, thankfully, it's just you find a weapon power-up and you get that weapon power-up, so you're not extremely weak if you die, but still, in the later levels, if you come back in with your regular gun, you're probably in some trouble, and you might lose a few more lives to get back to where you were before and get a better weapon, um, as I mentioned, there's eight levels in this game. If somehow you've never played Contra, and again, I can't imagine there's one person listening to this podcast that has not played a version of Contra, uh, but is a, a for the most part, side-scrolling run-and-gun action shooter, probably the definitive side-scrolling run-and-gun action shooter. Uh, I say mostly because there are eight levels in the game, and three of those eight are not side-scrolling <laughs> run-and-gun levels. Um the first level is that's the jungle. That's what you kind of think of when anyone you know that, that's just played the game or has only played the arcade game really would remember. It's you're running through the jungle. It feels very much like, um, you know, Commando or something in that style of of a of a movie, uh, not the game Commando. And you're you're running from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen. You are you know shooting enemies that come in. Now this game doesn't have randomly appearing enemies. Everything is comes at the set time. Every time you play the level, it's exactly the same. Uh, And and basically you'll you know get to the end of the level. There's this fortress thing you have to fight, and you get to go to the second level. Um, We'll we'll talk about the bosses more. I think the first boss, the fortress, is pretty straightforward. You just have um, there's three targets to shoot at the bottom. These two cannons and and like a big doorway you have to blow open, and then a guy shows up at the top with a with a rifle that you have to take down a few times. Not a crazy boss, but it's kind of a neat boss. It feels like you're actually infiltrating. You know, the enemy lines. You're not just coming in and fighting a big monster at the end of every level. Like, this is like, oh no, you're blowing up the fortress and you run into it. And then the second level is one of the ones that's not side scrolling, where you're. It's not quite first person because you're still running around left and right at the very bottom of the screen. But then once you blow apart these doors, your guy will run forward to the next set of doors and you're running back and forth at the bottom of the screen again. But it's one set screen, it's more like a. Um... Almost like Space Invaders, where at the bottom of the screen you can go left and right, but and and then things at the top you're shooting at. It's the same idea, but it makes it look more like it's 3D, like you're firing down a hallway, which I thought was pretty cool at the
1: time. It, it was, and it was it was such a neat perspective. You know, I hadn't played too many games that tried to do this this 3D kind of thing. You know, and it's it's not very good, but for what it is, it's very functional. You know, you're not constantly running back and forth; you only transition whenever you finish off a room or which is uh, shooting the, the big red thing enough to blow it up. And we should probably mention that the arcade version of this game, even though it's based on it, is a very different game for the most part. Like, the when you're doing this in the arcade, uh, wasn't there, like, multiple paths that you can take? So it, it's uh, still the same basic
0: i was surprised at how close this game is to the arcade yes it's different. it is it's
1: it's the basic you know idea of it but like the arcade only has like four levels or something it's got five and we can five.
0: we can talk about the difference in the arcade i was going to make it at the very end but but essentially this game for the nes is a very good adaptation of what the arcade game does but then turning it into a nintendo game it fleshes yeah. out the levels it makes them a little bit longer uh, in the case of the last level the arcade has five levels the fifth level of the arcade game is the last four levels of this game, but each level is tiny. So it's just like it goes from, uh, you know, a snow area to a traps area to an energy area to the alien area and then ends the game. It's not a long level. You go through those four phases. The Nintendo has stretched out each of those into its own level. So it still has everything in the arcade minus a boss or two. But um, but it's much shorter. It's designed to be a game you play with a quarter and can maybe get through as opposed to being something you can sit at your house and play over and over and over again, uh, indefinitely. That that was very common in, in early Nintendo games, especially. I mean, this is not a, a super late NES game. It's one of the first handful of uh, of Konami games. So it still has has the mindset of, Hey, we had this for the for 3 arcade, but how are we gonna make this worth, you know, your your full price as opposed to going to the arcade and playing this for for, you know, a quarter.
1: I you know, honestly, there weren't too many other developers out there doing that. They would just they were happy just to put the the arcade experience on the home screen, you know, with no nothing extra added. This, you know, with this Konami actually went the extra step and did flesh it out because the arcade game is very short. And I was actually really shocked the first time I played this, which was years after I played the NES version. And I was just like, "What is this game? It doesn't really play like it. It's like a slower, you know, it's it's you know, it's still a run-and-gun action game, of course, but it just doesn't really feel as as good or as tight as Contra on the NES is. And I will forever say that Contra on the NES is a much better game than what the arcade game is. Of course, it doesn't look as good, but it, Contra, for me, is the NES game. Whatever the arcade game did, fine, whatever. It is what it is, but yeah, this, <laughs> there's a reason most people, just when they mention Contra, it's the NES version.
0: Right, and and uh, to get back to what you mentioned about the, the, the arcade version of this level, it has the same basic set where you go, you know, run at the bottom of the screen, you have to shoot these red targets while dodging guys running at the top of the screen, you're firing what it looks like down a hallway, and then when you destroy the target, it blows the wall up and your character runs forward, but in the arcade version, there are sections where you can pick if you want to go left or right, um, and so it, it goes to different rooms, but ultimately they all end in the same spot, which is the same boss that you get to at this one. Uh, the, the Nintendo version just gets rid of the the reason to make a choice. It's like, no, there's eight rooms or nine rooms in a row, and you'll just do those rooms, as opposed to saying, well, if you go left, it's this set of rooms, and right, it's this set of rooms. They don't bother with that. Um, the boss at the end of level one is, it, again, you're still at the very bottom of the screen, running left and right and firing. At this point now, it doesn't look like down a hall. It looks like you're firing up in the air. And you're fighting it almost like this platform of, gun imba- of guns that fire at you and these other red targets like you had outside before. Um, and then after you destroy all of those, uh, red targets the boss comes at the top it's an eyeball that goes left and right from the screen and shoots down these glowing rings that you can shoot as well to destroy uh, and you just have to shoot that thing enough times where it blows up then like all the bosses in this game once you destroy the thing you have to destroy most of the time you know in the first level for the Forcers, it's the big door at the bottom you can actually ignore the guns you can ignore the guy at the top and just fire at the doorway It's very difficult to do that without dying, but you could, and you'll destroy the boss immediately. Once you destroy that thing, everything explodes, you can go to the next level. And this is the same thing. If you destroy the red targets, there are still guns that fire at you, and if you can ignore them or dodge them while you fire this eyeball, you can kill the eyeball, and then those all explode, and you go to the next level. Uh, The third level in, in this game is the waterfall level. This is the only level where it scrolls from bottom to top. And this is the one where if you play two-player, it's really easy for the first player like leading because the screen scrolls based on whoever's going the highest. Uh, If someone's trying to jump to a platform and then you jump up to another platform, the screen scrolls up high enough where they can't land on the platform they thought they were going to, and they will die. And again, with three lives, that's a real dick move. With 30, it's not so bad uh, because you get to come back in, you get a few seconds of invincibility, uh, and it's not a big deal when you have 30 of those in your pocket. But when you only have three uh, or less at that point, uh, it is kind of a a tough level to play two-player if you're trying to rush through it.
1: Uh, the boss- I think this oh, level ahead. is just junk. I, I it's the le- it's my least favorite level in the entire game, and if you got two players going, the flicker and the slowdown, and just not knowing if you're if even if you're not jumping to a particular uh, uh, ledge or something to move up, you can hit this magic pixel. I guess wherever they have decided the the screen is going to scroll up, and eat, like I said, even not trying to go to a ledge. The screen will then scroll up and the poor guy, you're, the poor person you're playing with on the bottom, which was usually my dad because I was just too, <laughs> too excited about what I was doing up there, you know, and, and he'd just instantly die. Uh, it just sucks. It's not a well-designed level. I, it, I think this is the one that actually works better on the arcade, but for the NES, it's it, I don't know. The NES just couldn't pull this one off. It looks nice. It's one of my favorite looking levels, but um, and, and the boss is cool. But otherwise, just actually playing it, especially with another person, is painful.
0: Yeah, it, it it definitely is the weakest of the levels on the NES version. For that reason, single player it doesn't have that many issues. Um, but this again is a game I think most of us remember playing with two people. Uh, but this level is it does end with a cool boss. It looks like almost like a fortress with a alien head and these two like snake like alien arms you can shoot. Again, you can ignore the arms and just shoot at the head till it explodes and it'll kill the whole thing. But most likely you want to destroy those arms too, because it's they're constantly firing at you, uh, and they're pretty easy to destroy if you can just shoot the ends of them. Um, but that's the one again. I think it's on the back of the box. It's one of those bosses that's very, very iconic in Contra as the level three. Uh, boss. But that's another boss. You blow it up. Since it's a big fortress thing, it blows open and you go to level four, which is the second base level where you're running at the bottom of the screen and running into, you know, firing into the screen almost again. Uh, it's exactly the same style of level as uh, the second level of the game where you already did this, but it does add a few things to it. It adds um, some tougher targets to it where you have to actually jump to hit them, it adds these little Um, areas on the back wall that looks like uh, barrels will roll out at you and you have to shoot those barrels or jump over them or avoid them while you're also avoiding the fire from the other guys on the other side of the room and the gun emplacements and anything else that might come at you. So, It's a little more difficult, but it's the same style of level as level 2 where you're kind of firing into the screen. I, I actually didn't hate these levels. As a kid, they were my least favorite because it was kind of, I thought it slowed the game down, but now I like them. And maybe it's also because I think a lot of the other Contras that try to do that same kind of like, hey, we're going to have this separate style of game. It sucks in almost every way, where this still feels very, very good to play through.
1: It uh, still
0: feels like Contra. Uh, and the boss of this... I, I,
1: oh, I didn't mind them. Like, I, they were probably my two favorite levels to play as far as like when you're playing co-op, because I thought that was two stages where actually having someone else really help because you'd be like, all right, you cover this side of the screen. Or you go for the guns, and and I'll go for the the red thing or whatever. Like, it was kind of fun to, to split that up with someone else. Does, you know, the rest of the stages, you're not really doing that. But, it, you know, I didn't mind them. You know, they're, they're kind of fun for what they are. And I think they actually have two of the hardest bosses in the game compared to the rest of them.
0: Yeah, I didn't have a problem with the eyeball boss in the first one. This one gets a little more tough. The boss at the end of this has the same setup, where it looks like you're firing... From the bottom of the screen up at what it looks like a series of gun emplacements, where this time, though, there are guys that run in from the side that look like they have wings on them that jump down. They're kind of a nuisance. They aren't normally a big deal. The final boss in this section, though, is it looks like two alien heads or two, like, gas mask heads, really, depending on, on what you look at. But then they it's like they have a red side and a blue side, like old 3D glasses, and they'll separate and you can't hurt them until they're back together as one solid unit. Otherwise, they can. They separate and fly across, you know, uh, back and forth at the top, and they'll still fire at you the whole time. What makes them more difficult is the stuff they fire are these little red and blue balls that slowly fall down and then shoot at you, like uh, almost like spin towards you. So unless you're, you know, with two players that I would always play where someone's supposed to take care of those shots and the other person can take care of the aliens, and it was much faster to get through that level. By yourself, I played this right before we recorded today just to kind of refresh myself on some of these bosses, is the only boss I died on more than once. Because if you don't Hit you know a lot of those those weapons they have if you're not just working on firing at those meaning you're never going to beat the boss in any real matter of time if you miss them as you're like oh I'll just run strafe diagonal and and hit it then it will come down and hit you and there's almost no way to dodge it it's uh it's not impossible but if you're not paying attention to those that it's it's probably the busiest boss if you're trying to do it by yourself
1: as a kid that was the one you know if I was just playing by myself and honestly even with my dad but like that was the one that if we could get past that one then, you know, depending on how many lives we had left, we were doing pretty well. Because that was kind of the the checkpoint in the game of like, okay, now it's going to get pretty hard after this. Everything before this, you know, if you had problems, you could generally learn it, you know, as far as what you need to do. But if you didn't have the right weapons for this one, and if you didn't keep those weapons, then the rest of this game is very, very hard.
0: talk about the weapons we probably should have done before we talk about the levels Uh, this game doesn't have a ton of power-ups but the ones they have are all very different so your regular gun it just looks like a white bullet that fires across the screen you can fire i think what two or three bullets at a time um you can get rapid fire it's all the power-ups let me go back all the power-ups in this game come on in two two different ways. Some fly across in what looks like a, a barrel or something with an eagle on it. If you shoot them, your weapon comes out of it. You go pick it up, you get that power-up. Or sometimes they're just placed in a level as like a red glowing box. You destroy that, and you'll get the weapon as well. So, Or in, in those foregoing levels, you can shoot a red enemy, and they will drop an e- a weapon. Normally, enemies don't drop weapons. Um, the the So your regular weapon's what you get. There's not a weapon that turns it back into that. So if you have a better weapon... There's not a power-up you can find that gets you back to your standard weapon. Thank God. Um, the most common one you're going to get is the R. The, the weapons that come out are little letters. So there's an R for rapid fire. It just makes your regular gun fire more than two or three bullets at a time. It's not useless, but it's it's the one that I was second, uh, my second least favorite, I guess. Um, you have the L laser weapon. Uh, the laser weapon shoots a big stream of energy across the screen. On the Nintendo version, specifically, if you just bang on the button real fast, it almost looks like it's a flamethrower. It goes right out in front of you because uh, it doesn't shoot all the way across the screen. It reloads every time you hit that fire button, so you actually have to be careful with that. You have to, If you're trying to hit something far away, you have to hit the button and wait. You can't just pound on it over and over again. You will not get all the way across the screen. Uh, that said, it's still a very powerful gun. And if you have it for something you need to specifically target and you can hit that thing Several times the laser, it's going to destroy almost everything. So the laser, not a bad gun. Not my favorite, but not a bad gun. Um, You get the spread gun, which is the one you want no matter what. If you can find that S... Best gun in the game. It shoots five bullets out. Uh, it spreads across the screen, essentially giving you just a wall of damage. It's wonderful, uh, but when you do lose it, all of a sudden you're like, oh no, I'm back to one gun. You have to learn how to aim again. Uh, the spread gun is wonderful. Uh, there is the B item, which I, <laughs> in the book for the game, it's B is force field. All the rest of them makes sense. I always thought B was body armor. Doesn't matter. The point's the same. It makes your character flash for a little bit, makes you invincible. Always a positive. There's never a reason not to pick up body armor. Uh, there's And then the last regular weapon is the F. F is a fireball. I hate it. I hate the F gun uh, with a passion. Yes, it does more damage than your regular gun, but instead of being like, an actual ball of fire that shoots out that's larger or faster or, I don't know, explodes and burns on stuff. Instead, it does this, like, circle move. It just spins, like, it, it it coils throughout the screen, and making it, if you're trying to hit specific certain things, you have to be at a certain distance. Like, oh, if you're sitting, you know, within four pixels of this instead of three pixels, then your gun's not going to hit this target that's slightly below you. I hate, I hate the fire gun. I hate it.
1: Uh, yeah, it's bad. Uh, that is the trash gun. You know, that's the one where, like, Fuck, I I wouldn't even pick that up if I just got the regular gun. You know, it's just not—it's not good at all. And unlike Castlevania, to where like if you, you know, if something like this, one of the weapon pickups falls on you or you pick it up, the one you currently have doesn't just like magically pop off of you and you can run back over and grab it. Like you are stuck with this. Yeah. And specifically uh, on those uh, the stages where you're going into the screen, there are times where certain enemies, the red guys that jump around, if you hit them. And they will just kind of, you know, sprout one of those fucking weapons, and more often than not, I swear to God, in those stages specifically, it will be the f fucking gun, and it will just fly across the air, and you can just slowly watch that thing always go towards the person that you're fucking playing with, and they, of course, they've always got a spread gun, and instantly they've got they're suddenly just, you know, firing out this shitty little glowing ball, and uh, several of my friends, I learned a lot of curse words as a kid when I would accidentally, you know, do that. And on other stages as well, you know, it just kind of, whenever you hit it uh, or make it explode out of the the carriers or whatever it's in, it it won't just drop. It goes at this weird upwards angle and back down. And if you don't want it, you're just like avoiding it as much as you are enemies sometimes. So it can be a challenge just keeping the weapon you have sometimes. But I will say, even though Spreadshot is the best weapon in the game, my secret favorite is a laser. Because if you get good at that, you can just blow through that entire game without even like it, it just destroys everything.
0: Uh, I I forgot the M. M is the machine gun. It's not your standard gun, but it's red balls yeah. that shoot faster and you can hold down the button and it will make it so you can run forward and fire. M is also good. M was one I liked. It was my 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 favorites were spread, then M, then laser. Then fire. And then rapid fire. I mean, I take rapid fire before fire, but rapid fire, I think would make any gun you have fire a little bit faster because it doesn't overwrite. If you have a fireball or a laser or a spread and you get that R, it doesn't get rid of it. And I think it's supposed to make you fire those guns faster. I don't know if that's true or not. It's not in the manual that it does, uh, but that's what I always thought. And then I realized it's not in the manual.
1: What is it? It's just I rapid fire. Know.
0: If you use your regular gun, you can only fire two or three bullets at a time. Like until they hit something, they'll just go across yeah. the screen. With R, you can fire more of those bullets before they before it doesn't
1: let you fire more. Uh, okay it just never seems like that Maybe I don't know it might <laughs> be, it might only be one more bullet to be honest it might not be anything too yeah. crazy, but it still it just, it's you know. nothing crazy you know it's not that you're suddenly just firing way more or anything no it, the m is really total. the one you
0: want that turns you from that normal gun into a much faster yeah. gun uh and then there's also a an unmarked eagle it's just a plain eagle that destroys everything on the screen mm-hmm. always worth getting um so anyway, back to the levels. We got to the first four. If you've played the arcade game, and again, I can't imagine, even less than someone who's never played the NES game and does not what we're talking about we need to explain it, I can I can imagine there's not one person that's only played the arcade game and has never even seen the Nintendo game. But let's say that's, that that one person is listening. Uh, the first four levels of this game are pretty much stretched out versions of the first four levels of the arcade game they have the same bosses generally they might be slightly different and mechanically but they look the same you can tell what they were aiming at and uh, and the levels are basically the same it goes jungle to the base to the waterfall to the base five through eight in this game are again level five in the arcade went through these areas but as one big level and each section was much smaller than this so you know maybe two or three screen lengths of each section Uh, And then a boss uh, where in the the Nintendo version, they stretch out the full length level. So level five is the snowfield level. Um, It might be my least favorite level in the game. I I know the waterfall levels worse mechanically with two players, but I think this is the level where if I'm going to die to things that I shouldn't die to, it's this level. Uh, There's there's you're going from left to right again. It's another standard side scrolling run and gun. But they add in like these mortar things that fire in across the screen. And I don't know if it's just me because no one else seems to have this problem. But I would die to those mortars just by accident. Like I just would not realize they were there until they're falling on top of me. I'm like, oh, no. And then I would die. And again, with three lives, that's a big deal to die something stupid. Uh, but, but with 30, it's not such a big deal. Maybe that's why. Maybe, maybe my time playing this uh, has been so often with 30 lives. By the time I get to this level, I just didn't care if I died or not. So it's just like, yeah, plow through it. Who cares? But when you're trying, I find that I die in this level more than any other.
1: It doesn't help that it has like just the sweatiest moment ever because about halfway through you, you get a mid boss. There's really no mid boss in the rest of the game, but here you get it. And Two of that them. Tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, uh, but that tank that's coming at you, uh, it's it just it, it's just slowly moving across the screen, <laughs> and if you are stuck with a just a regular you know your regular gun, it is all you can do just to mash that button as fast as you can. To kill that thing before it gets to you and that uh, that one was pretty rough i i don't i think that is the one boss in this game and not even a boss that really makes me panic more than any other especially if i don't go into it without a uh, a decent weapon to, it's to hold it off
0: any of the other weapons except for fireball i think i can get through regular gun if you just sit there and pound on it or have a, a turbo controller but if you just pound on your controller otherwise you'll get through that boss Oh, um, you, know, you gotta break games. your finger, though. Oh, you will, or just play track and field a lot. One or the other will work, but you'll get through it if you just pound on that B button. Um, you will kill him, but but it is tough because if you miss, if your finger falls off, if you don't realize you're supposed to do that, if you're not as firing as fast as you can, uh, it just crushes you. And there's nothing you can't jump over it. You can't push it back in any way. It just rolls on the screen and kills you. And then you have to keep going forward. Uh, thankfully, it does go away after that kills you or not. And it happens twice in this level. Two times you'll get to a flat area where all of a sudden that thing comes in. You're like, oh no! Um, still. It's neat that it's there, and I, I, I'm i so used to it now, it doesn't bother me, but well, the first few times I got there, especially if I accidentally get there with a fireball even now, I'm like, oh, damn it, I'm probably dead. I've destroyed it with a fireball, but I think I had fireball and rapid, maybe that's how it helps, but otherwise, it just doesn't fire fast enough and do enough damage, and so it will crush you. Uh, the end of the snowfield level is a spaceship thing that comes in, almost like a... A spaceship transport ship. It, it comes in. It looks like a half circle almost. It drops bombs directly underneath it, and then it summons these UFOs to come on the left side of the sc- left and right side of the screen that you have to shoot while you're also shooting up at this boss. Uh, again, uh, the bosses in this game are not incredibly difficult, but it, if you think about it, as you only have you know at best three deaths at this boss, you know three times of getting hit before you're out, it, it, they don't have to be extremely difficult. They just have to be difficult enough. Uh, and this is one that I have died on by mistake several times because I just. I wait too long to turn and fire at one of those those little UFOs that it summons as opposed to, you know, destroying them first and then going back to the middle. I just get impatient and, I uh, and the, die on that. I think the
1: bosses overall are just, you know, they're not, they're not very hard. I think this was one of those NES games, and I mentioned this on the, the review I did of Contra on YouTube quite a while ago. It, it seems like they were just going for spectacle and size for the most part, and the NES just isn't very good at that. You know, it's got to have something small moving around that can move around, otherwise it's just this very large sprite that you're shooting at. And for the most part, all the the bosses are just that. They're just these large static sprites with maybe small things here and there that are moving around that that are just shooting at you. They don't really move around a lot, and you're just, you know, if you know what you're doing, you're just basically standing in one spot shooting them. You know, that waterfall stage boss, if you just stand right in the very center of him and shoot up, he can't touch you so it's it's just you know it really it was really trying to go for wow this is a big alien thing that's on the screen and that was impressive as a kid but i think later games especially uh super c you know the next game was much better at making these large bosses more difficult to, to deal with than what contra did here but it, it was pretty impressive for what they were able to do so early with the nes here
0: yeah compared to almost any other game you'd pick up on the shelf at the same time as this, this was still pretty impressive for what they threw at you as a boss. Because they were more than just, you know, a big face that came on the side of the screen, like something like the, the end boss of Kid Icarus. You know, that was a big boss, but it was literally just a small boss with this giant graphic around it. These guys actually do move in some parts, and they have multiple, multiple things they can do to you. So it, it, they're pretty neat. Um, so the Snowfield was level five. The next level uh, is the Energy Zone. It's, it's a bunch of, like, flamethrowers and guns you have to avoid. I like levels 6 and 7 are my favorite two to go through now because they're the ones I saw the least as a kid or by the time I got to them, you know, I was like, oh, man, I'm I'm almost to the end, so I just, like, plowed through them. But they have lots of traps. I like games like this that have these levels that are less about just a run and gun, although you have to do some of that, but also it's about timing and, like, going through... you know, this the, the flamethrowers come across in like a pattern, so you have to jump through certain areas in the pattern to avoid the, the flamethrowers. I like that a lot, uh, as opposed to a straight run and gun. Maybe it's because the other, you know, five levels before that were more or less just run and fight things. Uh, having these two levels kind of break it up with, with a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more dexterity, I guess. I enjoyed those two levels.
1: I, I felt the most badass making it through this level. Uh, it, it, even though I, it's my least favorite boss, because you have to do the most perfect jump over his head to avoid him to not die, but just the whole level uh, of like going through with the lasers and knowing exactly how to time it, it, it really makes you feel badass. And it's one of those things of like, it you know if you're playing with someone else, you know if you can both make it through there, it's so damn satisfying. Unfortunately, my dad was not very good at playing video games. So, once we could generally make it past the snow stage, but once we made it to the energy zone, and if we could maybe manage to make it to the next stage after that, I knew this was pretty much where we were going to die, because he was never quite good enough to time the lasers and, and getting up and down through those things, and it was usually just me by myself trying to kill that last boss. That I swear to God, he just looks like a, 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 you know, a football player or something running back and forth at you, but... You know these these two stages. I like them now, and I think they're the the most fun to play through. But yeah, I anytime I got to these stages with my dad, it's like, oh man, he's gonna start yelling. <laughs> so I just it was always a, a good stopping point as a kid.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely died on this one a bunch as a kid with the with the flamethrowers because again, you get hit in one shot and it kills you and a lot of these flamethrowers do things like they're at the top of the screen and they shoot all the way to the bottom so you have to time it perfectly for when it's kind of back at the source of where the flame comes to jump over a certain section as a kid i was never that patient i would just try to time it and not time it well and and again with 30 lives who cares but when you're trying to go through it with three later, I was like, oh, man, there's like I have to take my time on this level and really get through it. Uh, with two players, it is much tougher just to, to be patient enough to do that. Um, the boss level six, like you mentioned, is this football player guy. He looks like uh, he's, he's, I think he's called the armored giant uh, in the uh, in the manual. He basically runs back and forth and throws these like shell things down at you you have to jump over not a hard boss except that you're right he runs back and forth you have to jump over him perfectly otherwise again if you touch him you die so it's about jumping over him firing a few times waiting for him to run back jump over again fire a few times but still a pretty neat boss he's fast it's not overly fast but it's not this slow tank thing like we've had in in other bosses uh the the next level is the one you mentioned that you (laughs) normally have a stopping point which is the hangar zone this one's also traps but instead of being lasers and and um flamethrowers this has like crushing traps or spikes that fall from the ceiling you know something that if you played a lot of castlevania you're right at home and i did so i like this level but it also has conveyor belts you have to ride on while you're doing it it has mine carts which in every game is the kiss of death uh that you don't have to use but in some sections it makes it easier or harder to use and of course deaths that will you know a lot of places you can fall to your death if you miss a jump so it's that level, if, if you thought six was hard for traps, seven's going to just knock your block off with harder traps. Uh, but the boss of level seven is maybe the easiest boss in the game. It's just a big hangar door with a, a like a, a red bar at the top you shoot a bunch of while guys run out of the door or from the other side of the screen at you. So And, and there are like mortars that fall into the screen in the same several parts. So it's pretty easy to get through that boss, except that by this time... You know, you've gone through the gauntlet of a level of all these traps and stuff. and You get to the boss, make a mistake, you have to do it over again. So it, it's hard only because your hands are all sweaty. Otherwise, it's a pretty easy boss.
1: Uh, it's just getting you ready for the best stage in the world, you know, for that last stage <sighs> when the game just goes full alien and uh, is uh, just wants to kill you at every step. Yeah. I, I think the difficulty in this game is, is pretty good. You know, the first... Uh, th- fewer stages are, you know, you can learn them You can get through them fairly easy on one life Once you know what, you, what you're what you doing uh, You get pat- you get to the snow stage And things start to get a little bit tougher Energy zone and, and that stage It, it really, it's going to make you lose whatever lives you got If you're going to lose them But man, whenever you get to that last stage It is, it, it's the next level of fuckery in this game You got stuff coming at you from everywhere And if you don't time it just right you're dead. And it's, uh, as a kid, like I said, I was, you know, if I wasn't sweaty from the last couple of stages, this one was the one that, you know, I I was just, you know, having anxiety attacks over when I got to because I knew I usually had like one life left when I got there and I only had one life to do this thing on and it was damn near impossible.
0: Well, the, the problem is most of the regular enemies in this level are like these gun emplacements that are, you know, alien gun emplacements. So like these faces that are stuck in the wall that shoot these white, I don't know if they're supposed to be, like white, I thought they were supposed to be like bugs or something, but they come out of this the, the mouths and they kind of hover around for a minute and then they come right at you. So again, you have to constantly be shooting these things that are coming out of the wall while you're also shooting the faces in the wall to destroy them so they stop spitting things at you. And they are. They're all over the place. Sometimes they're at the top of the screen. Sometimes they're at the bottom. Sometimes they're in the middle. And you're you know trying to avoid the other ones that are spitting at you while you're taking care of the ones in front of you. So if you go too fast, all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, there's too many of these things to deal with. And if you're going too slow... Then you know they're they're spawning in right outside of what you can really see, and on set these white things are just flying at you. Have to be ready for them. It's also one of the other levels in the game, like level five, that had a mini boss. It's got again, I think this one might be on the back of the box. If not, it's another very iconic Contra enemy. It looks like the almost like the bottom, like like the the the, the inner mouth of the alien from the Aliens movie. Again, making this very much like Aliens, where it's just this this giant worm that comes down, there's a big platform in front of like a big uh, wall in front of him, and you're firing up at this big worm that's spitting out these shrimp-looking things at you. It's very much uh, another iconic Contra mini-boss. But that's... that's Red Falcon. No, I thought Red Falcon was the heart. No, Red Falcon, if you look in the instructions, that is Red Falcon. Okay, so that's the mini-boss. I guess the, the boss of the, the eighth hole in a hole is the inside of Red Falcon, which is the ultimate alien bad guy. Uh, so th- the first part is fighting his head, Uh, I guess, and that spits a shrimp at you. And then once you blow that up, you have to run (laughs) through more of his body while you're fighting more of these bug things that come out. And you get to the end, and you have to fight what looks like a giant heart with these alien spawning nodes around it and more of those faces in the bottom of the screen that spit out the bugs at you. Uh, Again, with 30 lives, it was just a matter of attrition. Just run up, fire at the heart a bunch. If you can destroy the heart and ignore everything else, it'll die. It doesn't take too many shots to really do damage to it. But with one life, with two lives, it's real easy to die to one of the many things, like the aliens that spawn out at you or look more like uh, skinny versions of the aliens from the movie Aliens. Uh, And and it's got the bug things are coming at you from the side. There's aliens running at you coming from the ceiling and the floor. It's it's crazy how much is going on. But simply, you know, with enough lives or with the right. If you have a spread gun, you can just run up and fire diagonally into this heart a bunch as fast as you can. And you probably kill it before you get killed by anything else. If you get the right luck with where these aliens spawn. It's a very easy boss. It's almost anticlimactic, but by the time you've gotten through the first seven levels of the game, and then the you know made it through this level, which is extremely tough compared to the rest, you almost want to get it to be one of those levels like in North Room Germany around and push the goldfish bowl over. Like you want that kind of boss after this kind of level, and it it kind of delivers that while still giving you ample opportunities to get screwed horribly at the very end.
1: Well, as a kid, you know, I in the instruction book it does it shows Red Falcon. I don't think it shows the heart. I could be wrong. So I thought Red Falcon was the last boss. And so I got to it, you know, and finally killed that fucker. And the level just kept going. And I was just like, what in the world is this game doing? I'd never seen anything like that before. And, you know, you still had to go on. I was so excited that I beat Red Falcon and then just completely dismayed that (laughs) I had to keep going on the zero lives that I had left Uh, and, you know, Fight some shit. I had no clue what was what it was gonna be. It's really not much after that, besides you know getting platforming a little bit and then getting to the the heart. But fuck, man, the heart's pretty damn hard if you don't have an actual weapon. If you can get to it and stay alive with a spread gun, it's pretty easy. But if one of those little face huggers kills you, and you haven't killed enough of their little nests around the heart, then it's almost impossible to actually just kill it with your regular regular weapon unless you have some crazy rapid fire. But goddamn, if you do, if you do manage to do it and you are eight-year-old, eight-year-old Jeremy in that room and you have fucking managed to kill that heart with only just your regular machine gun, it's, it was the best feeling in the world. It was something I will never forget. Probably the, the first game that I ever actually beat, even though I had like Castlevania and Top Gun, I hadn't beat those games. I beat Contra first and I flipped the fuck out. So, (laughs) it it may not be hard now, and it is anticlimactic if you know what you're doing, but back then I felt like I had beat the world. Nothing Nothing I had done before that was harder, and I made it through, and it was just pure elation. I don't know if I've ever been that excited in my entire life since then. I don't think I ever will be, but seeing that heart blow up, and seeing that absolutely nothing ending <laughs> happens after that, it was still the most exciting thing ever. So, yeah, uh, thanks, Contra, for, for at least providing that.
0: Well, and, and it's, a, it's a nothing ending in today's terms. But for a game like this, you do get to see a little extra scene at the end where the island blows up and you come off in a helicopter and it's like, all right, this is okay. And then it shows you some credits, it plays a new theme, and then, of course, it goes back to the very beginning. You can play it over and over again uh, because you're playing for score, you know, like everyone did on Nintendo. No one did that. But you had the option, if you wanted to, to play for score uh, and play over and over again. And, again, since the game can be beaten in 20 minutes, if you are a person who can get through the whole game with three lives, then you're going to, you know, see how far you can get. See how far you can get before you have to continue and your score goes back to zero and, and if you care about score... You know, it's a—it's still a thing you could do, I guess. But, but, I, and, you know, as a kid, even now, honestly, before this podcast I played again, even just with the, the 30 lives just not having to continue, I felt pretty good. It's nice to get that ending. It's a little bit, it's like, ah, oh, yes, I still can do it. This is still pretty great. And it felt good to to destroy it. Because, again, everything explodes at the end. The heart explodes, and you're like, oh, this is wonderful. I did it. For a game of that time, it's a great ending. There were so many games where just like, you beat the boss. It's like, good job, thanks, and it ends. And you're like, well, that was something. This at least gave you the... The helicopter scene. Something else to feel like you did, you accomplished something in and some credits. So, hey. I, I, even without that, it's a fun game to play through. It's something we've all played through many times uh, because of those 30 lives. Now, we already kind of mentioned it. And actually, if you go back to our second, I think, bonus episode, we already covered the arcade version of the sequel to this, Super C. Uh, in the arcade, it's Super Contra. On the NES, it's Super C. It does a lot of the same thing this game does. It does add a little more. The enemy AI is a little bit smarter. I think there are some randomly spawning enemies in some levels, uh, like just regular foot soldier guys. But still, that's something that happens a lot more in the later Contra games. It's not bad. I think what made Super C a game I wasn't as big of a fan of is I couldn't get 30 lives. There was a code that gave you 10 lives, and that's great, but I never was able to finish it with the regular three, unlike this game.
1: I think Super C is a a better game. I I don't remember it as well as I do, you know, the original Contra. But I I did eventually buy Super C on the NES, and it it does some fun things. I think the top-down stages work a little bit better. They're not as unique or anything like that. No. But I I still, you know, they they work a little bit better with the run-and-gun kind of game that this is. You know, it felt a little bit more like Akari Warriors or Commando or something like that. Um, But, you know, the rest of the game, it was... Just a better version of Contra overall. The weapons, for the most part, it wasn't just a two-special weapon, weapon kind of game. You know, the the other weapons had their place uh, and, you know, the different places that you could use them where they actually excelled. It it was actually fun to to try to figure out what weapon you want to use instead of just being like, oh, here's the spread gun. I can just beat the game with this. But, you know, for the most part, I, I think it's a better game. I think the bosses are better. I think the levels themselves are better, you know, they're designed better. It is a much harder game than the original Contra. Yes, by far. But, uh, yeah, it is very, very hard. And it's, uh, I think think it's actually, is it longer? No,
0: it's only seven levels, but the levels are
1: longer. It just seems like a longer, longer game than having to go through Contra. I think that's almost, you know, if you're buying it as a kid, that was a highlight because it was like you felt like you were getting more of a game but there's just something about the brevity of that original Contra. It just flows so well for the most part. And to this day, if I want to play Contra, even if it's on that new collection that Konami released not too long ago, I'll always go straight to the original NES Contra and see how far I can get.
0: Well, that, the, that same collection, along with the Super C, which we just mentioned, and the arcade versions of Contra and Super Contra, it gives you Operation C, which is a game, the first Game Boy game Contra. It's also original, much like the uh, Konami Castlevanias they put out for Game Boy that were not just the NES version, but dumbed down. They're their own original games. Operation C is the same. Uh, on the Super Nintendo, Contra 3 The Alien Wars came out. Uh, I had that game, and I, I remember liking it somewhat, but playing it again, I'm not as big of a fan at all as I am the original games. There's just something about it on the Super Nintendo that just doesn't quite... Work for me. Maybe everything's too large. I'm not quite sure what it is, um, but it's not a disaster. It's just not as good as I recall it being. Um, and then uh, in the U.S. only, Contra Force came out for the NES. Now I've never even played Contra Force. It was only released in the U.S. It was never released anywhere else. And it looks like it's a game where they just had another action game and threw the name Contra on it to sell games. Like you have multiple characters instead of being exactly the same. Each character has like their own skills, and it almost has missions. It, it's a totally different style of game uh, that that didn't come out anywhere else and obviously wasn't good enough to even be on the Contra collection Um, that's
1: that's exactly what it was it was actually a different game that they were making and and they just decided to throw the the Contra name on there and there you go
0: um on on this collection as well as the Genesis outing Contra Hardcore a game that I thought about covering before but we didn't but much like uh Castlevania Bloodlines it's its own unique take on Contra I think it's it's a good solid game I mean Konami did a really good job with the Genesis uh for most of their major titles so uh this one's no no different I think that's it for what's on the collection were those. Uh, Also, Japanese versions of some of those games are on that collection as well. So if you like Contra, that's a solid collection of games. Uh, Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, depending on how you look at it, they do not cover either of the PlayStation Contra games, which are maybe the worst games in the series. Contra Legacy of War and See the Contra Adventure, both of them are not good at all. They try to really become 3D, and they do a very, very bad job of it. Contra Legacy of War, as I recall, is way, way too close to your character, so it's really, really hard to see what's coming at you, and it plays like a very bad loaded. It is not a good game.
1: Uh, Legacy of War is absolute trash. It is... It's just the very definition of trash. It's a very, very bad game. And I was looking forward to that game so much, you know, being the the first game on the PlayStation. After seeing what they could do with some of these other games and, and transforming these games that I loved into, you know, 3D games that were, like, nothing I'd ever played before... So I was like, oh my god, you know, what could Konami possibly do to one-up themselves from Super Contra, uh, and, or Contra 4, or whatever. And they, oh my god, <laughs> it's just, it's just horrible. It, it is absolutely horrible from every, every aspect of it. If you've never played it, go watch a YouTube video of it. It's ugly, it plays god-awful, the music sucks. And the only gimmick it had was that it was in 3D if you wore the included 3D glasses, which was just a, a fucking, uh, the old uh, red and blue style paper glasses that they stuck in there with it. Just an atrocious game. So disappointing. The one that came after it, I never even played it because it looked even worse.
0: I, I tried it. It's not as bad as Legacy 4, but it's still not good. It was still just kind of like, yeah, all right. The, you know, these games aren't good in 3D. Um, and th- obviously they... Uh, uh, Obviously, Konami believed that because then on the PlayStation 2, they put out two other Contra games that are actually quite good, but go back to fully 2D games with some overhead sections. So there's Contra Shattered Soldier, which is the hardest Contra that I've ever played. I'm sure that maybe some people are really good at it. I never, ever was able to beat that game. It's incredibly difficult, but it plays very well. And Neo Contra, which is an easier game. It's goofier. Like, there's, you know, it's got sections where you're in space and stuff, but it plays really well. And I enjoyed that one thoroughly. Um, Contra Four came Shattered out.
1: Shattered Soldier is legit amazing. Like, it is,
0: it looks it, good. Yeah. It plays well. It's also incredibly hard.
1: Yes, yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, don't. If you ever thought Contra was hard before this, uh, Shattered Soldier will make you be like, "What? Well, yeah, everything before this was way easy." But it's it's so well done, uh, and the the guy that did the art was just it, oh god, just everything about that game I loved. I like Neo Contra as well. You know, it's it's kind of. It's goofy, but I, it's I fun. Didn't, I didn't like the goofy take on it and the whole, like, you know, samurai stuff, whatever they put in it. But, you know, it's, it's still fun for what it is. But Shattered Soldier, if you're looking for a, the best modern Contra experience, if you can find it for under, like, $300, that's the one to go with.
0: See, I'd say Shattered Soldiers is well worth playing. And, again, for $300, probably not worth it. But if you can find a way to play it for... for a more affordable rate. It's a good game. It's a well, it's well deserves the Contra name. It's, and it's hard. If you have, you want a challenge, you'll get a challenge. Contra 4 for the Nintendo DS is also extremely expensive, but plays very much like the original Contra and, and Super C uh, because it's developed by way forward. Uh, and so therefore it's kind of a retro throwback title. Uh, that's supposed to be exactly like that, but they nailed it. It feels very much like Contra and it plays really well. Uh, but again, good luck really finding good. that for, uh, for any affordable rate.
1: It, yeah. That, uh, that one is, is very good. Uh, this sort and the, also the one it's not Contra, but obviously it's its kind of Contra in, in what, what do you call it? Um, in, in theme and in feel, in theme, and and just you know, the they, obviously it's Contra, but what, what the fuck was that game called?
0: Hardcore Uprising,
1: yes, Hardcore Uprising, the worst fucking name ever gave to a video game, but it um, is amazing. Yes, it's incredibly it. good. Arc system, just everything they do well through it and then they made a Contra game and it's it's awesome it looks like Contra
0: meets Guilty Gears but plays like Contra and it's incredible and you're right no one did play it and they're missing out it's maybe I mean without ignoring the first two games which are their own like you know the top of the pyramid of Contra games this is the one I go back to the most hardcore uprising you can still get if you have a PS3 and Xbox 360 I believe you can still buy them uh, on their markets while they're up well worth it I love Hardcore Uprising. I think it's stylistically the most interesting in the series, but at the same time still has that same feeling as the original Contra. It's it's super good.
1: To uh. me, if I wanted to say like if there was like a real Contra 4, that would probably be it. I, I love Contra 4 on the DS, and I really appreciate what they were going for because they were really going for the nostalgia on that one. But Hardcore Uprising is, it, it's just hard to get to. Unless you've got a 360, I don't think you can play it. I don't know if it's on the Xbox One Marketplace or not, as like a backwards compatible game. It may be. I could be wrong. But uh, just no one ever played it. And, and no one really thinks of it as a Contra game.
0: Well, and and I mean, they didn't call it Contra. That's really going to make right. people it's know, say Konami it's not Contra. So but it, it's good. It's really good. And... Um, other than Contra Rebirth, which is out for the Wii, much like the Castlevania Rebirth games that both are no longer available in any way, shape, or form, the really only other Contra after Hardcore Uprising, which was in 2011, was what, last year, two years ago, Contra Rogue Corps came out, oh uh, which God. I talked about a little bit when we first when it first came out because they had a free demo you could try on the Switch, and it's trash. It is so bad. It's top-down, so it feels like uh, a bad version of Smash TV, but instead of just letting it be Smash TV with you know Contra themes, they they, they made the character almost like Duke Nukem, where he says stuff the whole time. He's like, I am here to kick ass. Like, Jesus, I don't need that in my Contra. Why did you do this? <laughs> of all the things I, you could have uh, done, that's the thing that's going to make me the saddest.
1: It's, it's so, it, again, it's just one of those games that doesn't even seem like it should be Contra, but Last Christmas, actually... I went over to my brother's house. Uh, he was having the you know family Christmas, and he had never he didn't even know it existed. So he bought it on the PlayStation Four. He's like, "Look what I got! There's a new contra." You know, both me oh, and man. him love contra. <laughs> He's like, "I got this," and I was like, "Oh my God, you bought this?" He's like, "Yeah, I haven't really played it yet. Let's you know." He's like, "Let's go. Let's play some simultaneous fucking contra." I was like, "You don't know how bad this is, do you?" And like within ten minutes. We were just like, oh, God. Yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> it's it's so it bad. is. It's like trying to be super edgy while trying to do that goofy stuff that Neo Contra did. Uh, it's just, it's real bad. And it's just, it. it it's one of those games that just kind of makes you ashamed to play it whenever you play Because <laughs> it's just how, how it's trying to be this, this thing that it's not. It just doesn't work as, as a game or as a, even close to a Contra game.
0: So yeah, unsurprisingly, big fans of Contra. I don't think that's going to surprise anyone who's listened to this podcast, I think, especially if you listen to our Super Contra bonus episode or anything we've talked about the Konami classic games. You know, Contra's a staple of the the classic NES library. There's a reason it shows up on on all these collections of things and on everyone's, like, favorite Nintendo list. So still holds up today, uh, but some of the other games in the series, maybe not so much. But again, check out Hardcore Uprising if you get a chance. Uh, It's definitely one of the better ones in the series you should be able to find for a fairly affordable rate. So normally... On this show, we do listener mail, but because Billy's not here, and a lot of these questions are specifically for Billy because people love Billy, we're going to hold off until next show. Hopefully, he is back for our next show, Uh, but otherwise, if you're looking to send us a question, how would you do that, Jeremy?
1: Uh, We've got this uh, website that's on the internet. I don't know if you guys have heard about that, but it's uh, on retrovania.net. And you can go there and and find all the shows and stuff that we did like uh, two months ago. I did actually update it recently, so applause to me. Uh, (laughs) But if you can scroll all the way down to the uh, the bottom, there is actually a a contact form, and you can fill that out, send in your question, ask us anything. I I mean, we've read some really dumbass shit on here, so um, we'll probably read whatever you can vomit out of your mouth as well. Or, you know, ask actually a, a good question, and we love to read those because we like answering them. So yeah, go to retrovania.net, Scroll all the way down, to, uh, all the way down to the bottom. Fill out the question form, and through the magic of the internet, we will receive your question and read it on here. But we've also got a backlog that's only getting larger. <laughs> so uh, we will try to answer more questions next time, maybe like on an extra large, uh, you know, answer question answer questions episode, or uh, at the end of the next episode that we do, so uh, we can actually catch up a little bit. Because I don't think whatever episodes we're doing next uh you know we we i think we got we're going to have some time at the end especially around christmas time
0: yeah i think the christmas episode uh will will be the right time to gift everyone with all that extra listener mail because otherwise i don't know if we're gonna get through it so we <laughs> we <laughs> may do that for our next show <laughs> again only if billy can come back and make it he is he's is not uh not feeling well right now and hopefully he gets better quickly uh, but also, while you're sending us a question on RetroVania.net, don't forget to go scroll back up again and check all the links to all our social media sites. Follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter. We always put up little little things around the games, screenshots of the games, or if there's something specifically referenced, we'll link it on there as well. Uh, and otherwise, we will be back with two more bonus shows and another regular episode of RetroVaniaX for you this December, and we'll see you next time.